Hi there and welcome back to our study of the book of First Kings. We are in First Kings chapter 10 this week, verses 1 to 13. And I mentioned last time uh, that there might be more to the story of the Queen of Sheba visiting Solomon than we normally think. So one of the things I'm excited about showing you is how this story is connected to Abraham, to Joseph, to a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 2, and even to the Ethiopian eunuch. So let's dig in to 1 Kings chapter 10, and by the end we'll see what this story has to do with those stories, and really the whole big story of the Bible. So 1 Kings chapter 10 begins this way, Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. Now, let's pause there for a moment. Uh, first thing that this story tells us is that word had spread about Solomon. His fame, um, his wisdom was spreading throughout the world. Remember that uh, the key theme, one of the key themes of this story of Solomon so far has been God's gift of wisdom to Solomon. That along with God's faithfulness to the uh, promises he made to David, those two things together really drive the story about King Solomon, at least up to this point. And so um, this Queen of Sheba had heard about the fame of Solomon, um, and it says they're concerning the name of the Lord. Uh, so his fame was not sort of independent, but was uh, somehow connected to the name of God. It doesn't give us a lot of detail there. Had she heard the story of God giving Solomon wisdom? Had she heard about the building of the temple for the name of the Lord? What exactly does that mean? Um, it doesn't tell us very specifically, but we know that uh, Solomon's fame was attached to the Lord's name, right, and to what God uh, had been doing in and through and for Solomon. And so uh, word was spreading about Solomon and about his God, right, the one true God. And so this Queen of Sheba, she came to Jerusalem to put Solomon to the test. She wanted to see if Solomon was as wise as the rumors said that he was. Uh, the universe one says she came to test him with hard questions and she herself was a significant person she was a queen she comes with a large retinue it tells us all kinds of things that she brought with her camels bearing spices gold precious stones etc and the universe two says when she came to Solomon she told him all that was on her mind I mean imagine that you had heard about someone who was so exceptionally wise that his wisdom surpassed every famously wise person you'd ever heard about. And you were somebody who was significant enough that you knew if you came to this wise person that there was a good chance he would receive you and give you an audience and 
allow you to ask questions. So that's what the Queen of Sheba does. She comes to King Solomon uh, as a fellow royal, so to speak, and she gets an audience with the king and she lays it all out there. Everything that she wanted to ask him, everything that was on her mind. And verse 3 says that Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from her, or excuse me, from him, from the king, that he could not explain to her. Everything she put to him, he had an answer for. Every hard question, every challenge, every conundrum, he knew how to answer it. He knew how to explain it. Again, uh, it was told to us earlier in the book, right, that when God gave Solomon wisdom, it was wisdom that surpassed the wisdom of all others. Uh, so this is a supernatural, exceptional gift of wisdom that Solomon has. And she puts it to the test and it's proven. Right? Then verse 4, uh, when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon. Um, now we would think we, you, it would be the word here when she'd heard all the wisdom of Solomon. But remember that the wisdom of Solomon, we've seen this from the beginning, the wisdom of Solomon is not just experienced in his words, but also in his actions and the administration of his kingdom. That's part of why right after we're told that Solomon um, was given this gift of wisdom, not only do we see him handle a particularly difficult court case, uh, but we also get lots of information about how he runs the kingdom, about his servants and how things are administered and whatnot. So she comes and she sees the wisdom of Solomon. She sees it in the house that he had built. Right? She sees it in verse 5, the food of his table the seating of his officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, everything about the way he administers his kingdom, the building projects that he has completed, specifically it mentions the house, uh, doesn't say if that's the temple, which is most likely, or it could be the house he built for himself or the house he built for Pharaoh's daughter, but the most significant one is the temple, so that's probably the one that's meant here. So she sees the house he built, the food, the way his officials and servants are ordered and organized and all of those things. She also sees at the end of verse 5 his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord. So also the sacrifices that he offers to God. She sees all of these things and she's literally breathless. It says there's no more breath in her. So um, she is amazed by the wisdom of Solomon, not only by what he says to her, but also what she sees in the way that he has organized, ordered, and constructed his kingdom. So uh, she puts his wisdom to the test, and then his wisdom is vindicated. It's proven. Look at verse 6. It says, And she said to the king, The report that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom... Uh, excuse me, the report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. So not only does she say, I didn't really believe you were as wise as they said they were. The, the rumors that I was hearing, the reports of your wisdom that were coming to my ears, they were so grand, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe that you were really that wise. But now that I'm here and have heard your words and have seen what you have done, 
they didn't even tell me half of the truth. Not only is it true what they were saying about you, more than that is true. They only told me half of the story. You are even wiser than they had led me to expect. And so then she says, verse 8, Happy are your men, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. So what a blessing it is, she says, for those people who are a part of your court who get to hear you from day to day expressing uh, the wisdom that God has put within you. That is a blessing for them to get to overhear the things that you're saying, the wisdom that you are demonstrating and speaking. Um, by the way, we get to, as we've said before, we, we can benefit from that wisdom, right? We have it in Scripture. The book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. These books are especially associated with wisdom, excuse me, with Solomon and are a record of his wisdom. So whenever we read those books, right, we are benefiting from the wisdom that God gave to Solomon, the wisdom that the Queen of Sheba said, anybody who gets to hear that ought to be happy that person would be blessed. All right, then verse 9. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. So she praises and blesses God who in his love and kindness has given Israel such a wise king ratchet that up, right? When we think about the fact that God has given to us the greatest king, the king of kings, the, uh, the one who is eternally wise, Jesus, the one in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We get to belong to that king, so much greater even than being a part of the kingdom under Solomon. Um, then she says, verse 10, uh, or it says, verse 10, then she gave the king 120 talents of gold. Remember, talents, 75 pounds. It's a lot of gold. And a very great, great quantity of spices and precious stones. Never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Moreover, the fleet of Hiram, which brought gold from a fear, brought from a fear a great amount of almond wood and precious stones. And the king made of the Almagwood supports for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, also lyres and harps for the singers. No such Almagwood has come or been seen to this day. This seems to be another way of highlighting the wisdom and significance of Solomon that the queen of Sheba brings to him an abundance of spices that never again came to the kingdom of Israel. And they received this wood, this almug wood, whatever that might be, um, that has never come to Israel since or been seen uh, up to the time that this was being written. So um, these were significant, unique events that are again attributed to and connected to the wisdom of Solomon that um, he received unique gifts. Not only did he have unique wisdom, but he received unique rare and abundant gifts. And then verse 13 says, And King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all that she desired, whatever she asked, besides what was given her by the bounty of King Solomon. So she turned and went back to her own land with her servants. So he gave her rich and abundant gifts, as you would expect from a fabulously wealthy uh, king. 
and um, wants to show his wealth by being able to give generous gifts. Not only does he give her generous gifts, but on top of what he decides to give her, he gives her everything she wants, anything else that she would ask for. And then she returned to her own land. Now, by itself, this is an intriguing and fascinating story, especially if you have a good imagination. You can imagine what it would be like for these two uh, royals to meet, for this Queen of Sheba uh, to meet the wise and famed King Solomon and what all this interchange uh, would have been like. But it gains even more significance when we fit this story into the big story of the Bible. There is a overarching pattern throughout Scripture that this story is a part of that points beyond itself to even greater things than what is happening here. Remember that God uh, promised to Abraham that he would bless all the families of the earth, all the nations of the earth, through him. And by the end of the book of Genesis, where that promise is made to Abraham, we begin to see how that's going to work, how that's going to look when Joseph, one of Jacob's 12 sons, who's been sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers, um, he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, is raised to second in command in Egypt because the dreams he interpreted warned of a coming seven years of famine. And so Joseph was uh, put in charge of preparing for the famine. He was made second in command after Pharaoh himself. And um, all the earth, were, or all the known earth around there at the time that experienced this famine, they came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph. Many people would have died and perished if it had not been for the way that God worked through Joseph and raised up Joseph and um, Joseph uh, stored up grain during the seven years of plenty to prepare for the seven years of famine. And so then he was able to bless all those people from around the world who came to Egypt to buy grain. And here's what Pharaoh said about Joseph when he put him in command. This is Genesis 41, 39. It says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, the dreams that he interpreted, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. So here you have at the end of the first book of the Bible, a man given supernatural wisdom by God, and that wisdom becomes a blessing to all the earth, fulfilling, in part, the promise God made to Abraham that through him, and then ultimately through his offspring, he would bless all the nations of the earth. Uh, the story of Sol uh, Solomon being visited by Queen Sheba, of course, fits that pattern. Here's somebody that God has given unique supernatural wisdom, and when she comes to Solomon, gets her questions answers, answered, sees the way he administers his kingdom and all the rest, receives um, bountiful gifts from him, she also is blessed through this offspring of Abraham, whom God has raised up as a king. And this is sort of a, t a taste of how God is and is going to bless all the nations of the earth, again, through the family of Abraham. And then there's this promise in Isaiah chapter 2, this prophecy about what's going to happen in the latter days. This is Isaiah 2, uh, verses 2 and 3. See if this 
sounds significant to you. Isaiah 2, verse 2 says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So isn't it significant that when Solomon built the temple on the mountain of the Lord, the the temple mount, when he built the temple, one of the first things that happened is somebody from another nation came to Jerusalem seeking to hear from the one that God had given wisdom to, right? It fits that pattern, right? People streaming to Joseph from all over the world to be blessed by him. Now you've got this uh, queen from a foreign nation coming to Solomon who receives a blessing from him. It anticipates the day when the mountain of the Lord will be the highest of the mountains and nations will stream to Jerusalem, right? Because they want to hear God's wisdom, God's word. And then, of course, there's another story in the New Testament that fits this pattern and takes it a little bit further. In Acts chapter 8, remember the Ethiopian eunuch? The Ethiopian eunuch who served in the, the court of Candace, the queen of uh, Ethiopia. Uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, we are told um, in uh, Acts 8:27 that he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Like Isaiah 2. And he's, they're streaming to, beginning to stream to Jerusalem. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, or this is one instance of that, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. He's he's hearing the word of the Lord. And the Holy Spirit sends Philip to talk to the Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading from Isaiah 53, and he doesn't know who this prophecy is about. And so Philip comes alongside and says, that prophecy is about Jesus. And beginning from that text, he told him about Christ. The Ethiopian eunuch believed and was baptized and was blessed. All these stories show from Genesis all the way up to the book of Acts that it's always been God's plan to bless people from all over the earth through the family of Abraham and ultimately through the person of Jesus, his own son who took on flesh, who in whom is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the one who died on the cross in our place for our sin, the one who rose again. The one who all who turn to him have their sins forgiven and are reconciled to God. It is through him, and it has always been the plan that through him, God would bless all the nations of the earth as they hear and receive and believe the good news about Jesus, the king who's even greater than David and greater than Solomon. Amen and God bless.